0: Uh, That person is the person who's, who's bringing you around the campfire and saying to you, hey, guys, come here. I have this amazing story to tell
1: you. Episode 162. What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and I am bringing you tremendous stories from business women all over the world in all sorts of different industries so they can talk about their business journey so yours can be inspired by it. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. So I'm sitting down with Jessica Lalau, who is the director of marketing, communications and social media at Postcard Mania. She's just an all around rock star of a communicator and businesswoman. And Jessica, I want to know, uh, Postcard Mania has, you know, started in the postcard industry. Uh, you now do a ton of full service marketing stuff, but you guys have produced about 300 designs every single week for small businesses in their marketing. What's the biggest design mistake that you see out there?
2: Hi Katie, um probably the biggest mistake we see for small businesses especially is that they try to sacrifice clarity for cleverness. You know, they see big huge companies doing these clever branding campaigns that try to measure things like impressions and CPM, cost per mile, which is just another way to measure impressions and Twitter mentions and all this sort of branding stuff, but when you're a small business, you need to be direct and immediate with your message, and I think you need to immediately let your target market Instantly know one of three things. One, what you do. Two, why you're better than your competition. And or three, what problem you can solve for them. If you can do all three, that's definitely ideal. Um, You know, when you're as big as Coca-Cola, then you can start with the cutesy stuff. But (laughs) until then, don't get too clever. You know, people just at this point, to be honest, they don't care enough because they don't know you to figure out your message. So just be clear and be direct.
1: So, B, just go with the bare bones of marketing. Make sure that they know who you are, why you're different, and what you can do for them.
2: Exactly. Nail that message down, you know, send it out consistently, and then build from there.
1: Love it. You have heard it here. The amazing Jessica at Postcard Mania. Thank you, Jessica.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Anytime.
1: And make sure to go to postcardmania.com forward slash bizwomenrock to get some free samples from Jessica today. My guest today is Heidi Clements, who has been involved in the TV show industry for a long, long time. Her her sort of first half of her career for 25 years was in the entertainment news industry. She was actually uh, a co-executive producer for Entertainment Tonight and uh, was a very significant writer for uh, other shows like Current Affair, I mean, all sorts of shows that you would know. And... Uh, at some point, she made a huge career shift and decided to become a writer and a co-executive producer for a show called Baby Daddy, uh, which I believe is in its fourth season, although I think it's airing in its third season right now. But um, as she and I actually talked, she had just finished writing the finale for the fourth season, and um, and she has also written a book called Welcome to Heidi. And this conversation blew me away because she was so forthright about what the TV show industry is really like. So we talk about, uh, you know, what it takes to get syndicated. Um, you know, what TV uh, people, the the actors and the writers are actually making. Like, what is so lucrative about this uh, about this industry? And um, and she's just really, really uh, great about sharing that information about what it truly is. And you're gonna hear my my curiosity and my ignorance about this industry because I'm asking so many uh, questions about how it all actually works. So she is just amazing, really funny lady. We talk about her book and you know the impact that that's had on her career uh, and her personal brand and all that fun stuff. So it's just a very entertaining conversation and very educational conversation. Um, so if you are interested in writing at all. If you're interested in blogging, which she has a blog as well. If you're interested in the TV show industry, if you've ever thought that maybe you want to be a writer, uh, or even an actor in a TV show, uh, this is a very, very educational and poignant conversation. So let's get going. What's going on, Heidi? Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me,
0: and sorry for my confusion and <laughs> delay in this interview.
1: No worries, uh, Heidi. Let me know she was in the writers' room uh, when I was originally trying to call her, which apparently is a very serious, very intense time. Like no, no phones allowed, right? Like you got to be in yeah, there. Yeah, no, <laughs> no devices of any kind. Got it. And you because, were in. And you were in there for uh, what all reason?
0: All you would do is listen to the phones going off, and you're getting texts and emails. You know, it's, you're know, you being harassed 24-7 from the outside world now with your phones or computers. And so we keep them out so that nobody gets distracted. And you know, we take enough breaks so that you can go and check. But this morning, we were doing a big rewrite. So nobody got up and checked anything until just now and oh realized, uh-oh.
1: Uh-oh, missed all these calls. Yeah. Now, and you were in there writing, doing a final kind of rewrite for the finale of, of Baby Daddy? Yeah, so um, the finale of season four, season finale,
0: um, we had just finished, and uh, we spoke to the network, and they had some ideas for some things that they were hoping that we could adjust, and it got us into sort of a bigger discussion about um, how the love triangle of our show should end, and um, and we decided to do a little bit of a of a rewrite, and you know, sometimes you just get. Caught up in those things, and you don't realize hours have gone by. And
1: <laughs> when you're when you're doing that writing, and we're we're going to get into your backstory a little bit later as to how you kind of got here. But working in the present moment, um, when you're doing that type of writing, is it always collaborative, or are you sort of bringing to the table like an idea that you have for a scene, or maybe an entire episode?
0: You know, it's always um, different. The the way that the show works, for the most part, is um, we have a period of pre-production, which is usually six to eight weeks at the beginning of the season, um, before the actors and the crew come back to work, where we sit around and we plot out um, all of the episodes, and uh, most of them, as many as we can get, um, what the episodes are going to be that season, Um, and then every writer gets assigned um, episodes, and so you get assigned an episode, and so it's your job as the writer to go out and do an outline for that episode and then write that episode, and then when you're done with it, it comes into the writer's room and everybody pitches on jokes or helps fix any problems, story problems, um, and then it goes out to the cast. So it, it's, um, it is a solo and yet very collaborative effort. Oh, that's really interesting. I think the solo part is, you know, the person who has to stare at the blank page is, it's a lot harder to um, start a script from a blank page than it is to just punch up somebody else's script.
1: Yeah, that's very true. What do you do when you have writer's block? Like, what do you do when you're staring at a blank page and they say, okay, Heidi, you're in charge of episode, uh, you know, episode two. And then bring it to the table, and you're like, "Oh crap, where do I really start?" With this? I am very happy to say I don't get
0: writer's block for Baby Daddy. Um, <laughs> That's great because you can't. You can't. I've gotten writer's block in my own life, um, and what I do is I sit. I can only write in the morning. I, not can only, but I prefer to write in the morning and. When I'm, um, I'll go down to my computer and I'll start to write. And if it lasts five minutes, it's five minutes. If it lasts one hour, it's one hour. It could last eight hours. But I get up and and leave it until the next day if I have writer's block. Mm. If I'm trying to figure something out. I just, I don't, I, I never try and force it. I just get up and go away.
1: Have you always been a writer? Where did that start from?
0: Um. You know, I have. I mean, I always, even when I was younger, I wrote poetry. I always kept a journal. And even when I was in, you know, I just pretty much switched careers at 51. I switched from working in the news industry, entertainment news industry, to working in scripted. But even when I was working in the entertainment news industry, I was the show writer. So I've had a pretty long career of writing. It's just been very different styles of writing.
1: How did you get into the into the news industry? Because you, um, uh, uh, and forgive me for not knowing this exact timeline, but you, at some point, if not now, have been like the executive co-producer of Entertainment Tonight, right? I was, yes, for okay. seven years. How um, did you get that gig? I
0: started as a production assistant way back when for um, a network that was launching called the Arts and Entertainment Network back in the day, a hundred years ago. And then I... Um, I worked in their uh, on their promotions department, and so I wrote their 30-second promos. And um, then I kind of made a career out of being a promo cutter, writer, and I went from uh, A&E to doing it for movie trailers to I worked for a show called A Current Affair. Mm-hmm. And when I was at A Current Affair... I uh, decided that I wanted to be the writer for what the anchors were saying. And at the time, it was a job that didn't really exist because the executive producer, much like scripted, the executive producer of the show is the head writer. In non-scripted, the executive producer at the time was also the head writer of... um, of news and so it was unheard of to just have a writer for the anchors so i sort of created a job for myself and then turned that into my career and started doing that for all kinds of shows and all kinds of people i worked for all of the entertainment shows really extra access national Enquirer uncovered and eventually ended up at entertainment tonight because i kind of made
1: a name for myself as an anchor writer wow so all of the words that were coming out of um Mary's Mary heart, <laughs> yep. Yes, Mary was- Hart, who we also had on
0: Baby Daddy.
1: Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And so all of that stuff is all you. So we're like, correct? What are you as a writer and as a very deliberate, um, very niched writer for that type of person, for that type of show, and that type of audience? Like what kind of stuff were you, obviously you kind of got to make sure that you, you know, hit the bullet points on certain things and talk about like, okay, you know, you get the script of like, these are the news stories that we're talking about, but, um, how do you fill in the gaps and make sure that you're staying true to their personality?
0: Well, I mean, I think the the key to that, that job, that role is, uh, that person is the person who's, who's bringing you around the campfire and saying to you, Hey, guys, come here, I have this amazing story to tell you. And so those people, those merry hearts and those anchors are people that you are your storytellers. And so they're setting the the pace for you and they're setting the scene for you and what they're about to tell you and they're making it believable and making it seem like it, it, this is an important story. And so um, it was really just um, learning how to tell stories through, you know, through copy. And that's kind of what I would do.
1: What are some of the insider experiences that you had being that, that writer for all the anchors for so many different shows that we all know? Um, you know, like what were some of those internal, um, professional experiences that you have being that person that maybe somebody who doesn't really know that industry might not even know that you go through? Like, what were some of the things that you experienced throughout the day? What were some of the norms there that, you know, maybe, you know, are definitely not normal outside of the industry? Anything like that?
0: Well, I mean, running entertainment tonight was um, quite a feat. I used to say we would build the car from the ground up every day because when you went in at five o'clock in the morning, you didn't necessarily know what was going to be on the show that night. And so there was anywhere between 8 to 12 segments that you had to find, write, produce, and have done by noon, which was when we take the show.
1: Wow.
0: So it was a very difficult um, job. And um, the people that I worked for at the time in Entertainment Tonight, um, my boss in particular, was insane. And so the hardest part of that job was dealing with somebody who was crazy.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> and just that minor my detail. Own, sorry? <clears throat> I said just that minor detail, that little crazy detail. <laughs>
0: yeah, completely insane. And my, my own inner struggle of being in the business for so long when the show started out as something that was um, entertainment news and, and stories that were actually entertaining – and newsworthy stories about entertainment suddenly became um, celebrity paparazzo stories about stars having miscarriages and, uh, and like, true heartache. And it was everything I did not want to do for a living. And so I was constantly having that inner struggle of I'm doing something for a living and I'm afraid to tell people what I do for a living because I know they're going to hate
1: me. Mm.
0: And um, and I just eventually, the person that I worked for became so crazy that I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't get up every morning and look at myself in the mirror and know that I was working for this person who had zero regard for anybody else's life or schedule or anything. And I just quit.
1: Right. Is that when the whole major life transition happened? Yeah. So <laughs> walk us through that. What what kind of stuff? Because now you're like, okay, I've built up this. Great career, this great brand, this great personal brand. People know me on the inside as far as what I'm capable of and what my skills are. And now you've just yeah, said, I mean, okay, I, does, I doesn't it doesn't fit with for, me. Let's
0: move. I had been doing it for 25 years, and now I had a house with a very large payment <laughs> and uh, a salary, uh, no salary. And I knew that I didn't want to do what I was doing. I didn't want to work in entertainment news anymore. But I had. Um, There were a bunch of jobs that were open, like the Katie Couric show was starting, and they needed an executive producer, and, you know, there were a bunch of things that I could have gone for that were in my wheelhouse, but I had also written and sold a couple of scripted shows with a friend of mine, and I knew that that's really what I wanted to do in life, and so I really just... um, as terrifying as it was, I I almost lost my house. I, I just did as much freelance work as I could to live at some other shows. You know, I, I went back to just cutting pieces and making, you know, a, a fraction of what I was making salary wise. And I just sort of stopped paying my mortgage for six months. And, um, and it just was a miracle that, um, my friend who I had sold a couple of shows with his show that he had been working on got canceled and they picked up a show that he wanted me to come work with him on. And it just serendipitously worked out perfectly.
1: Um, wow. And which show was was that baby daddy? That was baby daddy. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. And so what, what was your experience like immediately starting to work for like a sitcom, a whole series? And I mean, that's a whole different that's a whole different experience than, you know, the entertainment news. So what was your yeah, experience immediately going into that?
0: You know, it is in a I mean, I, I, I learned quickly that my producer skills were actually um, quite handy um, because there's a lot of producing that goes into being a writer. It's not just writing. It's, you know, you have to produce a show every week.
1: Right.
0: And so. And um, from producing, were actually super helpful in this environment to introduce. Different things that I did for my job that were were never done in a scripted room, and so those things sort of worked out. And when I, I first started working here, um, there was somebody else uh, running the room, and um, I think uh, my first uh, week on the job, I would say, um, I cried every day and hated it. And so the the first week that I that I was on the job, I I went from you know being in charge to sort of sitting there and listening to. Um, Other people running the writer's room, and I knew that they weren't running it in an efficient way as a producer. I knew that they weren't doing a good job. And, of course, you know, there are certain rules and regulations to every job that you don't even know why they're there, but they're there. Right. Right. And so they were just doing what every writer's room had ever done before, and it was really inefficient to me, and so it was very frustrating to me. And I had to keep my mouth shut for the first season, but eventually, I I uh, w- wiggled my way to the to the top of running the writer's
1: <laughs> room, and that now I do things my way. Very nice, and obviously, you know, after sort of uh, digging into it and being there, you know, after the first season, you're not, you know, you're kind of like eventually becoming the leader that everyone wants you now wants you to become and is looking for, right?
0: Yeah. But I mean, it really was, uh, it was, it was really difficult. I was, I thought, oh my God, I have my dream job and I hate it. I hate every second of it, but it got a lot better in the second season.
1: What, um, what kind of leader are you as the executive producer, as somebody who has done all of that and is not just writing, but producing? What kind of leader would you say that you are? Because you're pulling together so many different people, talents, um, and really needing to make sure that they all focus and produce something great. So what? how do you do that?
0: I'm very tough
1: and I'm brutally honest. Okay. And
0: um, it doesn't always work for a lot of people, but people always say that um, they always know where they stand with me. Yeah. And <clears throat> working with me is sort of boot camp for how to not take things personal because you just, you can't take anything personal. If somebody tells you that the joke's not funny or you don't want to use that, you, you just, you can't take it personally. Right,
1: right.
0: And so, um, I, I try to, um, I try to treat everybody the same way, at least in the writer's room, but I, I have, I am slightly brutally honest.
1: <laughs> Just slightly. I don't know if there is such a thing as slightly. You're either you either yeah, no, I'm kind of a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: uh, I mean, that's the way I was raised. I was raised in television, working for a bunch of dudes um, who didn't, there was no female, male. And I mean, a lot of the problems that I face now are, I still feel, and I, I say to um, my executive producer, Dan Barrington all the time, because he's one of my oldest friends. And I say to him all the time, I am so sick of everybody looking at me and talking to me like I'm the woman. I also have an executive producer title, and and I, I still battle with that on a regular basis. And I don't think peop- I don't think men understand how they still talk to women in the workplace. I really don't. I mean, if someone put their hand up to me just yesterday, and I almost ripped it off and <laughs> shoved it down their throat. But it happens all the time.
1: Really? They don't
0: even know they're doing it.
1: Oh, that's so interesting, wow. and
0: uh, it's very frustrating. It's really frustrating. I mean, I've been shushed. This is just stuff that nobody else does to the men that they still do to the women. And I, and, I, and trust me when I tell you, I am a force to be reckoned with. Uh-uh. I am. I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and I still get it. They still do it. I just point it out. That's so funny. Um,
1: when did you know, I mean, this was really your first stint doing a lot of like humor writing, right? Like, I mean, Yes. The, okay. I mean, I've
0: always been a comedic writer.
1: Right. For my own stuff. I was, you know, I wrote a blog and
0: which I turned into a book and now I've turned into a, a television script. But I've always been a comedic writer. I think that my um, joke telling has gotten um has gotten better and I've gotten more comfortable being a joke writer mm-hmm. from working on Baby Daddy. This has definitely been boot camp for me. Um, it's the greatest training ground in the world to sit in the writer's room all day. Uh And so I, I think that I've honed my skills. But I think either you know how to do it or you don't. I mean, I never went to school to learn how to be a writer. I just, you know, I bought a script program and I just started writing scripts. Wow. I, I have no zero professional training at all. So I think you either know how to do it or you don't.
1: Well, and it's I just, mean, you know,
0: I think you either have the talent or you don't.
1: Yeah, and it's just your personality too. Like I was reading your blogs and it's very – you can tell like it doesn't feel like scripted writing. It feels like you're just telling a story. Like you're just – I can I can visualize you sitting there having the reaction when somebody calls you grandma. That's what I was just reading, <laughs> and um, and you know like and you just tell it like you're like you and I are sitting down right now and you're telling me the story of right. coffee or something. That's, That's definitely how I write my blog for yeah.
0: sure. People always say it feels like that I'm sitting in the room with them talking to them when they read my blog. And yeah. That is definitely the style that I've written um, my blog and I and this the book that came out of that is also exactly the same way.
1: Um, how long had you been writing your blog? Um, probably I
0: think maybe three years, not very long. I mean what happened was i um when we were on break from I think we were on break from maybe the first season of Baby Daddy, I had decided I wanted to write a book and so I wrote like ten little chapters ten little you know musings that I had, and I sent it to a couple of people and this one um book uh, publisher said, to, came to meet with me and said, she loved everything that I wrote, but um, nobody wants to read the musings of a nobody and that I should turn it into a blog. And so I turned it into a blog and then I thought, why am I listening to this person say that I can't write a book? I'm going to write a book. I can write a book. Mm-hmm. So I found um, Donna Cavanaugh and I wrote a book. Very nice. That's what I did on my last break. And that book got a bunch of press because I wrote um, one of the chapters about the crazy boss from Entertainment Tonight. And so it got picked up by a bunch of publications in page six in New York. And um, a producer saw that and said, would you be interested in writing a script version of this? And so I did that. And now we're shopping that.
1: Wow. Okay. So I got to ask this. All Um, without an agent. So say that again. All without an agent. I wow, still don't have an agent. So, what is what is the process of shopping it around? Like, what does that mean? Like, okay, so you've got this book, people are really liking the book, and now they they want like a script for uh, for a TV show, right? So, what is right. what is the process that you have to go through? Because that's that's completely different writing. Are you the one writing that script? Yes. I did write it, yes. Okay. And then I what did. What does it truly mean to, to shop it around? Um, it means the producer that asked me to, to
0: do it is um, we're currently looking for, um, we had a bunch of agents read it, so um, we're looking, and talent people at agents, so we're looking for somebody to get attached to it, and we're also sending it out with my book to um, her various contacts at, um, HBO, Showtime, Netflix, Amazon, TV Land, VH1, Bravo, all those places. Wow. Gotcha. So hopefully someone will bite.
1: So here's my question about like the business aspect of all of this. What does it mean? Like if, if a, uh, um, a network picks you up, if they say, yes, I want that, we want to produce that show, do, are they buying the rights to the show? Do they... Um, do yeah, they, like- normally what happens is it's it, it's in stages. So
0: normally what happens is you pitch an idea, they pay you to write the script, then they pay you to shoot that episode. And then if they decide they like the pilot, they buy, you know, a certain amount of episodes because this one's already written. They would decide whether or not they want to shoot a pilot. Got and it. then once they shoot a pilot, they decide, they usually sign you right then and there to say, if we pick this up, we commit to 13 episodes. And, um, you know, it's crazy money for network shows um, compared to like Baby Daddy is definitely a lesser amount of money, but networks are are big, and the the cable deals are um, pretty comparable actually. When it's like an HBO or or those kind of things, so they 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 buy the rights to your TV show.
1: Gotcha. Okay, and so- then they
0: they they produce it with you.
1: Got it. Okay, so I mean, what does that mean? Like crazy money, or, or like, are you talking like, you know, I I don't even know where to guess on this. Are you talking like, you know, fifty thousand an episode, or do they pay per yeah. episode, or how yeah, do, okay, yes, and then you get
0: you get paid as a as an executive producer, and then you get paid by the union, the Writers Guild, on top of that, a fee for writing every episode that you write. Got it. So, um, you, you know, we when I first moved to Los Angeles. Um, somebody was giving me a tour and they took me into uh, Beverly Hills and they said, here are all the movie star houses. And then they took me to Bel Air where the houses were four times as big. And they said, here are all the TV houses. <laughs> yeah, and Spellings and the, That's um, so interesting. Yes. Yeah, it can get pretty crazy.
1: Man. Now, the
0: Chuck Lorries of the world are making a lot of money.
1: Yeah. I, um, so what because they're buying they're buying the show they're buying the rights to the show what happens if it becomes a Seinfeld like how do they how do they grow it out from there like let's pretend Welcome to Heidi, the series comes out and, and it just goes bonkers, right? Everyone loves it. Um, what happens like to grow it out from there? Like now it gets syndicated. How, how, how does that process? I
0: think you need 90 episodes to go into syndication. Cable doesn't syndicate, but networks do. If okay. you get a show that syndicates, you can retire.
1: Gotcha. Now, how does that work? Like when you're syndicated, when you are past 90 shows, you're going to get syndicated. Are you, are, are you getting paid by each of the local stations that are now like, Yes. okay, gotcha.
0: It's insane.
1: Wow. Those
0: kids from Friends mm -hmm. just, you know, we, we say in the writer's guild, it's green envelopes that come to your house. Those people are just getting, you know, massive amounts of envelopes on a daily basis from Friends is on like five different channels and they get paid every time an
1: episode airs wow as does the writer wow that's crazy so even though even though like um you know the original network that you go to might buy the license you you still are attached to that right they're not like buying it from you buying the rights from you no okay
0: you you do a deal so that you get a piece of it
1: for sure that's really interesting yeah i had no idea it was that lucrative it's insane Oh, man. So no wonder. Yeah. So um, how likely is it? I mean, so you mentioned that baby daddy is on a kind of a smaller network. And so it's not necessarily, you know, like one of the big networks. What would it take for that show? Like, how does how does that show make money? Because so I noticed like it's on they Hulu. Don't so
0: syndicate. And so that's the problem. ABC Family doesn't syndicate. Well, what they do is they strip it. And once you get to 90 episodes, they strip it and they'll run it every night of the week. And so there's definitely some money to be made there, but nobody's going to get rich from Baby Daddy. Right.
1: Got it. Okay. I mean,
0: it, it, that's a great understatement. People will make. I'm making plenty of money. Right. In the grand scheme of
1: things. Right. Um, how do you know? Um, okay. So when when Baby Daddy came on, it was I, I, what was the original, um, you know, kind of pilot that they said? Usually, like thirteen episodes. You said
0: it was ten.
1: Actually, So at what point does the network decide, okay, this is successful and now we're going to continue? Yeah, we into- didn't
0: know until um, four or five months after the season ended. Really? So it was, I went back to fr- freelancing at uh, the television show Extra. Um, yeah, we didn't know. And then we've been very lucky since the second season. We've always gotten our
1: pickup before the
0: season ended.
1: Wow. Well, and what so was- we're
0: still waiting for a season five pickup, but we feel hopeful.
1: Is it always like every single year you have to wait to see if you're going to go on for the next season or yep. is it okay, really? Yep. Is that the way yeah. it always works with all shows or do any of them get yeah. multi seasons? Very no, never. Wow. Yeah. Um man, okay, so so what um let's talk a little bit about your book. So um you know, you you ended up, you know, doing all this blog writing, created this book out of it. Um you got a lot of uh you got a lot of a lot of attention from it. What kind of effects has that had on you, because usually the writers themselves are not really visible i mean on any given show, it's really the the actors that are the most you know recognizable with the show, so all of a sudden, you've got this writer who's usually behind the scenes now kind of making this appearance um and telling your version of everything. What kind of impact did that have on your career?
0: um I'm not sure if it's had an impact on my career yet. Um, I hope it does. I hope that the TV show gets bought and then I think it will, but it's always really funny when I run into people, um, who say, Oh my God, I read your book because I realize instantly that they know far too many things about me. (laughs) And you know, when you write a blog, you really, you don't really think anybody's reading it. And then once you put it out there, you sort of forget that people are reading it. And then when someone tells you they're reading it, you have it's somewhat horrifying sometimes because I really did not hold anything back in this right. book. So
1: you've got that mental um, checklist kind of like, of okay, what did I talk about? Oh my gosh, yep, I revealed that story and that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember the day that my, you know, my mom called and said uh, and, and said um, that she read my book and she was really upset. And I thought that she was upset about what I had written about her, but she wasn't upset about what I had written about her. She was upset that she didn't know a bunch of stories from the book, from things that happened to me. And I said, and she said, you know, you really admitted a lot of stuff. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, you had an abortion on Yom Kippur. And I was like, Oh yeah. I meant to tell you about that.
1: Oh yeah. That thing. Uh,
0: So there's a lot of that. You know, my gardener called me and told me that he read my book and (laughs) thank you for writing about me. And I had to think, what did I say? And I, you know, Oh, I wonder if he likes the part where I called him an illegal alien or that he wears too much cologne. <laughs> I can tell you that he no longer wears cologne.
1: Oh my gosh, so, that's hilarious. he was just excited to be to be highlighted in your book.
0: Yeah, I guess. Everybody wants to be mentioned. They don't even care if it's bad.
1: That's very true. Except
0: the woman who I the the woman that I worked for, she wasn't real happy with it. She tried to sue me, so
1: The crazy boss? That part yeah, what ended up happening there? Did she was she successful? Well, I didn't
0: mention her name, and I called the book fiction, so she didn't have a leg to stand on. So she was told to just be quiet and go away, wow. um, which she did, and she was since fired. So wow, it's all it's all fine now. <laughs> it was, you know, we work on the exact. I work on the same lot that I uh, worked worked on for Entertainment Tonight is at the other end of my lot. So um, I, she was here every day for the first two years. It was awful, but I never ran into her.
2: Wow.
1: Um, yeah. I, I would imagine you have, uh, especially with the book out, you have a lot that you're doing to kind of promote your personal brand, right? Um, it, what kind of what kind of things yeah, are you doing? I, I mean, honestly,
0: it's difficult because, you know, baby daddy kind of takes over your life once you get into that. And my brand for Welcome to Heidi is so different than what I write for baby daddy right. that I just try and keep, you know, my Instagram, my Twitter – My Facebook page are all Welcome to Heidi. And so um, it's difficult because I I am not on brand as much as I should be. Right. But I have two different jobs. And so I think I could actually get better at that. Um, But for now, being tied to Baby Daddy, it's kind of hard. Right. Because it's just so different. And I, I think that's an area that I could definitely improve in. Um, maybe opening a separate account for, you know, just Heidi Clements, the writer of Baby Daddy, and welcome to Heidi for the other stuff that I do. But um, you know, social media is definitely an important part of keeping your brand together. But I'm not somebody, you know, I'm I I'm not I'm a little annoyed with the amount of Twitter people getting book deals and TV show deals because just because you can write 140 characters does not mean that you can write a TV script. And while I don't want to stop anybody from pursuing their dreams or or, or having their, you know, getting to their dream job, wanting to write their dream show, I wish it's... They're stopping. I mean, I actually had an agent say to me, "You know, I can either sign you or this Twitter writer." And I thought, "Well, I'm an executive producer on a show already. Wow. What? I don't get it." So it's a little frustrating. There's a bunch of like girls that are writing stuff that's very similar to mine right now that are getting um, deals because they're famous on Twitter, um, and they so have that's a following. Hard, but I guess there's a way to. That's a way for people to do it. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, it just opens up so many different doors that you know were never really there before. It opens up the opportunity for people. So yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so I guess you got to take it where you can get it.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, how many how many books do you think you've sold thus far? Because you this just came out uh, right? not a, last year,
0: not a massive amount. I mean, I I honestly I have no idea. Maybe a couple thousand. Not not a massive amount. It always feels like it's so much more because um, I got. Such a great amount of press and such great reviews, but right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, I don't I, think it. I don't think I. I certainly didn't uh, make it to the New York Times bestsellers list. But yeah, everybody that read it loved it, and um, people continue to buy it and tell me how much they love it, and that really means everything to me. I love that. That's awesome.
1: So uh, I want to go ahead, and I'm and- not done. Well, obviously, that's where I was gonna go. What kind of things do you see coming up for you? I mean, uh, obviously you're uh, you're shopping the script for Welcome to Heidi. Um, yeah, know, that's
0: my main focus. Got it right now. Okay is, um, is making that happen. My director um, from Baby Daddy Michael Lembeck is working on it with me and we're just gonna spend the next uh, four months of hiatus pushing to get it sold. And um, that's really my main goal. I love it.
1: Well, Heidi, I really want to thank you for being here. Just a very, very interesting conversation about your whole industry that I had no idea on a lot of that stuff. So thanks so much well, for, thank you for sharing. Thank you so
0: that. much. I'm so sorry for the mixed up. <laughs> Forgive me.
1: No worries about it at all, girl. No worries. I really enjoyed that conversation with Heidi. And I think out of all the great things that she said, one of the, the biggest nuggets for me was how much she... Just trusted her gut when she made the big career change and it didn't sit well with her anymore and what she had been doing in the past. And uh, she just figured out a, made a, a way to make it work, even if she couldn't pay her mortgage for some time. Um, she just kept on knowing that she wanted to go a different direction, kept on freelancing to kind of keep her afloat for a while, and then figured it out. And it all sort of has fallen into place. So, and how fascinating was it how lucrative this industry is? It's crazy. Uh, just found that so, so very interesting. So anyway, I hope you got something really great out of it. I hope you really enjoyed the conversation and I will see you on the next episode.